Welcome to the first episode of Brewery Talks Podcast, a podcast bringing you the stories behind the beer. My name is Nash, and I live on the road full-time in an RV. I'm traveling across the country and stopping at breweries along the way to share their stories. Today's episode is out of my home state of New Jersey at Fort Nonsense Brewing Company. This brewery is run by three brothers, two of which still work full-time in other jobs. In today's episode, we discuss their humble beginnings with a Kickstarter campaign, how they found their location and renovated it from a spa into their beautiful tap room. This was also my first ever podcast I've recorded, so I'm a little awkward at times, but it gets better with the more beer I drink. Bear with me. Check it out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is your host, Nash. And today, I am at Fort Nonsense Brewing Company in Denville, New Jersey. I'm sitting here with two of the owners. You guys want to introduce yourselves? I'm Andrew. And I'm uh, Thomas. And you guys are brothers, correct? Yes. And there's a third brother? Yeah. James, he can't be here today. Okay. So, three brothers, and you guys are working it together, or is one of you guys working it more than the other one? How does the whole system work between the three brothers? Uh, well, right now, Andrew's here full-time. Uh, he's our, our head brewer, uh, takes care of a lot of the day-to-day. Um, I'm here mostly nights and weekends. I'm still uh, doing the, the grind at my regular job for the time <laughs> being. Same with James. Okay. Uh, and And how do you... How do you manage that work-life balance? You know, everyone says work-life balance, and now you're doing work-life and brewery balance. How do you uh, manage that? all that? Uh, it helps when you can drink at work at one of the jobs. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's been busy, but uh, I should keep a to-do list that never seems to get shorter. Awesome. Uh, constantly bother Andrew. I mean, even, even with Thomas having two jobs, I feel like I'm here the same amount of time. Um. But yeah, I, it's just keep working, keep working, and don't ever stop. <laughs> Even on your days off, you're still here and answering emails and doing everything. Awesome. Well, thank you for answering my email. I appreciate oh, yeah. that. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, you being here full time, do you ever feel um, overwhelmed with that? You know, you are the one here all the time, or do you like having the comfort knowing that your brothers are there to step in? However, or like, how's it from your perspective? Sometimes it gets a little scary being the one person because if anything goes wrong, it's like, oh god, it's all my fault. Um, but usually that doesn't happen. And, I mean, it's great having a safety net that if something ever did happen or I have to go somewhere, it's just, you know, get on the phone and be like, hey, you need to come by tonight because I can't be here. So it does – it helps because I'm not the sole person. Awesome. But still being the one person. Okay. So it's, it's nice. Awesome. And uh, so let's dive right into it. Fort Nonsense. So what is the significance of Fort Nonsense? Or what is Fort Nonsense that would make you guys want to name the brewery after it? Well, Fort Nonsense is an actual place in Marstown, which is about 10 minutes away. Uh, during the Revolutionary War, George Washington had his troops build a fort, and they didn't really get used for anything. So the historians ended up calling it Fort Nonsense. Um, so we picked the name because it has local significance, and it's great, and it also stands alone. So if you don't know what it is, people still think it's a great name. Should note the fort is no longer there. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a national park right now, um, but uh, there is no fort. It's just you can go up to the hilltop. You get a nice view. On clear days, you can see Manhattan. Awesome. But we uh, we also liked the, the connotation of the nonsense there. You know, we, uh, we, we like to just have a good time whenever we're here. There's always a lot of laughing. You know, we want it to be a place where people can come and just hang out and have fun. Awesome. And you mentioned Manhattan, that you can see it from where Fort Nonsense is. So, Denville, New Jersey. How would you describe that to someone who is not from New Jersey or not from the area? 
suburbs. <laughs> I always say it's right next to Marstown, and if they don't know what that is, then I say it's 30 miles west from New York. Okay. Because they won't know anything else. <laughs> and there's... and. I read online that this, so Denville is like a hub for this area, being in northern, north central New Jersey, that you can, there's trains that go from here to Manhattan and back and kind of get from all over. Is that correct? Yeah. The, uh, the train station's okay. I mean, it's not <laughs> the best. They cancel a lot of trains all the time, but that's NJ Transit for you. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's an easy, easy commute to the city. Yeah, there's also a ton of highways that go through here. It's easy to get to. We're, we're right on Route 10. Uh, Route 80 cuts through here. 287 is a little little bit of ways down over, so it's easy. It's it, and it's really kind of situated right in the middle of Morris County, and that's one thing we really liked. You know, there's there's still not a ton of breweries in Morris County. We're we're starting to pop up slowly, but we're we're kind of right in the middle of it all. And uh, so far, it's uh, it's been just us, the few people out on the edges. And why do you think? Do you think? the community supports the breweries or you think it's just, you know, uh, not a lot of, you know, buildings or area to build around. Like, why do you think there isn't breweries popping up in every corner in, in this, uh, <laughs> part of Jersey? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, Denville has been great. They really like having us here, but, uh, we had, uh, you know, talking to a few towns, some aren't too crazy about it. We've heard from other people about, uh, towns just not interested in having a brewery. Um, the, the, the real estate can become an issue. It's tough to find a good space to put it. I mean, we were told no by a few towns. Really? That I, I won't name those towns in case they're listening. For future <laughs> breweries. But, yeah, most towns have been, they've been good. And there's talks of a couple opening up around the area. So I think as the breweries get bigger and there's more of them popping up, the towns are becoming more willing to have it happen. They're learning we're not just another bar. It's not a place to just come get trashed. Yeah, it's more of a, it's a brewery. It's yeah, a, <laughs> exactly. It's more than that. Yeah. So you had a couple of towns tell you no. What were the reasons behind that? They just didn't know what we were. Like that's even with Denville, um, the mayor and the town council and everybody, they were all for it. But when you started talking into the permits and everything, you found out that they, they just don't know what you are, what you do. Um, and working with the uh, the building official and the health department and everybody, it was just they were willing to have the conversation, which is what made it okay. A lot of towns, I feel, are just kind of like, I don't know what you do. I don't know who you are. No, thank you. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. And then, so, and how long ago was that? That was 10 months ago, a year ago. When, when did this kind of whole idea of let's open a brewery start? Well, I guess um, at this point, it was maybe three, three years ago or so, three, four years ago. Andrew, Andrew had the bright idea one day. He was like, "Hey, let's start a brewery." <laughs> uh, we we home brewed before this for a, for a number of years, so maybe seven eight years we're doing it. Um, and Andrew was just like, "Yeah, let's do, let's go for it." You talked to me. I was a little more skeptical. I was like, eh, "I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll start a business plan first. <laughs> <laughs> see see what it's about." But uh, we we got into that and went through it all and the more we dug into it the more i realized yeah this could work especially around here so we we got this well we started looking for spaces about two years ago. But yeah about two years ago now yeah. um, okay looking around we were we were pretty open when we started we knew we wanted to be somewhere in the middle of morris county 
you know, a lot of talking to towns, a lot of looking at places. Uh, and we, we found the space we're in now in February of last year. So February of 2017. Well, we, we, we signed the lease for this place. It's February last year. And then we had about a year, almost, almost exactly a year of build out of going through talking with the architects, talking with the town about permitting. Uh, that took a while. We probably could have opened a little sooner if uh, <laughs> things went a little smoother. Yeah. Oh, wow. And what, and so what went into that? So was this building, uh, did you have to like kind of renovate the whole inside or? Yeah. 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 We, uh, the, the previous tenants before us, I'm not sure how long they were here. They, it was empty when we moved in, but the people, people before us, it was, it was a place, uh, that was basically, it was a spa for children's birthday parties. Okay. Yeah. So, so just imagine everything in here, pink. Like a bright pink. Wow. And for those of you listening, it's no longer pink. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we, uh, we knocked a couple walls down to open the tap room up, um, <laughs> repainted everything, put new flooring down. Uh, we got pretty lucky in our, our uh, brew house area. Uh, a big reason we chose this space was because it's on a concrete slab already in there. So we just kind of had to pull a, a little bit of carpet up. Uh, yeah, some yeah, pink some pull some pink tile up. Uh, you know, put some epoxy down up on the walls. Uh, we put a trench drain in, but the the tap room the tap room probably took the most work. <laughs> Filled the whole dumpster worth of stuff, just getting it all out of here. Wow! And the space came complete with a pedicure chair too. Really? It did did that stick around? They wouldn't let me keep it. <laughs> but, well, uh, I can tell you it looks amazing in here. It no longer looks like a uh, children's spa, you said it was? Yes. It looks like uh, this is an awesome tap from beautiful woodwork and overall. And the brewing area is right there. It's yeah. connected to the tap room, essentially. Yeah. You can, there's essentially no wall in between the two. It's Yeah. Two steps down. It's like a half wall in between. And um, do you find yourself, you know having to deal with beer or even brewing beer while there is a huge crowd in here and how do you manage that you know not having the yeah separate that, that gets a little tough mostly because the heat um so even yesterday it was about 40 degrees outside and we had the air conditioning set to 64 because we were doing a double brew day and it was pretty steamy in here um so just to keep it comfortable even in the middle of the winter we have to use the ac sometimes but other than that i mean it's great because the customers come in they get to see us brewing Usually they have a lot of questions and, you know, we walk them through and it's, it's a better tour for it because in the state of New Jersey, you have to give a tour before you can sell alcohol. Um, some weird laws there for everyone listening outside of the state, but yeah, since it's totally open and you can see it from everywhere, it makes the tour very easy. So yeah, that is one thing that is very unique about New Jersey. When I first went to my New Jersey, I went to the first brewery in New Jersey ever. I was like, why? do we have to go on this tour? Like, and I was, they're like, it's a law. We have to do it. Um, do you want to dive into that a little bit? Like, how do you manage that with, you know, when designing this whole layout and opening a brewery? Yeah. So the state kind of tells everybody different things depending on who you ask and how you ask it. Um, so a lot of places get away with just giving you like postcards and stuff or having a loop run on the TV. But when we went for our license, we were told, it has to be a tour given by a physical person, and that's all they told us. 
So they don't really define what you have to do, but what they've told us is it has to be a person. So we just kind of point and go, hey, look, beer. Um, they are trying to change it, though, and there's new regulations and laws trying to get passed. But Yeah, any anyone in New Jersey listening knows, but uh, recently there was a bit of a dust-up with the regulations, and they, uh, the uh, ABC tried to put out some guidance, and people weren't happy, and then they pulled it back. So it, That uh, was big in the beer industry. That was showing up all over social media, and it's kind of like a huge outrage from... Yeah, New Jersey brewers and craft beer fans. Yeah, yeah. One one plus side from that is I did see recently there was some legislation introduced that would basically a lot of the the issues that came up with that ruling they're just going to legislate it away. So if it's written down, it's a lot easier to deal with. Yeah, right. Right now they're pre- the laws are pretty vague. So like Andrew said, you get a lot of cases where it depends who you talk to. You know, nobody's really quite sure because the law doesn't spell it out. It just kind of leaves it open to interpretation. Okay. Wow. That's, uh, <laughs> that sounds like a headache. So between that and the finding the town and the space and renovating it all, it took, you said, a couple of years. And now it's been 10 months since you guys opened up? Yeah. We opened, opened in January of awesome. this year. Awesome. And I think you guys open, what, like four or five days a week right now? Yeah. We're open Wednesday through Sunday. Awesome. And yeah. is that going to be, is that working out great for you guys? Do you have any intention of changing it in the future or is that just the perfect amount of taproom hours? Uh, it's been pretty good for us. We, uh, we didn't have Wednesday when we first opened. We added that as a sort of summer hours. Um, and it, it went so well, we decided to keep it. <laughs> That's awesome. So let's get into the beers. Probably the most important thing of it all. So right now, so what are we drinking right now? So I, I apologize. You guys gave me this That's great okay. Hefeweizen, and I didn't even comment on it. I just started drinking it. It's amazing, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. So, um, yeah. Well, we try to keep uh, a pretty good array of beers so that anyone can come and be happy. Um, we have four flagships and then four rotating taps. We may be adding more taps in the future, so keep updated on that, but maybe not. We'll see. Um, so, yeah, we have... We have four flagships. We have a West Coast-style IPA, a porter, an amber ale, and what we call a you know session American ale um, meant for all of the non-craft beer drinkers. Okay. So it's kind of... It's, it's a session beer. So it's, you know, low, low ABV, low IBU, easy drink. It's a good lawnmower beer. So, lawnmower beer. So yeah. I love that phrase. That phrase is amazing. It's not used <laughs> as much as it should. Uh, do you mind explaining what a lawnmower beer is for people who haven't heard that before? Um, well, I mean, to me, it's just a beer you can have on a hot day. Just have a few of them while you're outside doing yard work, just doing anything. And it doesn't really, it doesn't dehydrate you, but it doesn't hydrate you. It's just kind of there. Refreshing. Yes, it's refreshing. Refreshing beer. Yeah, yeah. that's such an, <laughs> an awesome phrase that I feel it doesn't get enough uh, appreciation. Yes, yeah, so we, we keep pretty much the four flagships uh steady up there uh right now we uh we ran out of one from some uh missed planning but it's coming it's uh it's cold crashing right now but uh, besides that uh the other four taps we we try to keep it rotating pretty frequently uh either seasonal stuff or just whatever we feel like brewing uh we've had uh we have a, a new New England IPA coming out soon. It's brewing right now. That's awesome. Uh, you know, we have uh, we had an Oktoberfest. Well, it lasted. 
Uh, we got our, our pumpkin spice lager currently seasonal. Uh, you know, we're trying different things. Uh, right now we have uh, our, our Admiral of the Narrow Seas, Gosa. That was uh, brewed over the summer because Andrew wanted to give sour brewing a try. Give it, yeah. Now, how did it turn out? Was it a successful first sour? Yeah, yeah, it worked really well. Yeah, but that's uh, we we try to keep keep things moving, keep things rotating, so we uh, so we have something different. Yeah, we we try to keep things rotating. We know a lot of craft beer drinkers these days want to want want to try something new, so we try every every week or two to get something new out there so that people who especially our regulars who come back in have something new to try every week um works out pretty well we're on a, a five barrel system here so we can do we can do enough batches to keep it moving uh we distribute some of it we just started canning recently did our first two runs how'd that go oh, that that went really well um we're hoping to keep that going now are you can do you guys have your own canning system or are you guys using uh Someone else. Uh, we did a mobile canning for this. Okay, and explain how that works. How do you how do you get involved with mobile canning? Do you just email some guy and say, "Hey, can you come can our beer?" <laughs> uh, well, there's, I think in New Jersey, there's really only two companies. Um, one is very big, and one is small. The we're way too tiny for the big one, and their barrel requirement used to be twenty barrels, uh, which is pretty much our entire capacity at one time. But I think they changed that, and they'll come out for a setup fee that is pretty steep. So we use the small company, so we're kind of, I don't want to say stuck, because they're good people and they do a good job, but there's not really a lot of options around here. But essentially, they found us, even though we would have found them eventually once we got to it. Um, You know, we email them, they get everything, they ship the cans here, they show up with the truck, take the canning line off the back shove it through the door, get it all set up, and then just hook up to the fermenters and can it, and then they leave. Wow. So it's... It's that easy. <laughs> yeah. Very easy. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's a lot cheaper than getting your own can line because they're pretty steep. And for sizing, do you guys see yourself staying... Are you guys comfortable with this size, happy with what you have now, or do you guys see yourself... Is your five-year plan to be, uh, you know own this entire building area <laughs> here or go across the street what's uh, have you guys thought about that at all uh yeah we've we've talked a little bit i mean i would love to grow obviously um but it all depends on you know how far we can get the distribution radius and you know how much we can produce and put out and so we'll see yeah we we definitely want to uh upgrade at some point i'd be ecstatic if we could do it in 5 years but <laughs> Yeah, now the, the plan is to eventually up our system, get get out there with some of the slightly bigger craft beer guys, but we're working our way up. We we intentionally started small, and we, yeah, we did a lot of the work here ourselves to try to keep budget low with the plan that we would uh, hit the ground running and just keep trying to grow as we went. When you guys started brewing at this level, now I know it's not you know a crazy huge level, but how did you transition from, you guys said you guys were doing home brewing into a bigger system like this? Was that an easy transition or one day you guys just bought all this equipment and you're like, hey, let's give it a shot. Hopefully this works out. Um, I mean, for some things, uh, it's not so bad. You know, uh, a brew day on this system takes about as long as a brew day on a home brew system, uh, uh, more or less. Um, 
a, a lot of research. Uh, I know Andrew went uh, a couple times and brewed with uh, Joe up at Manskirt in Hackettstown to uh, to sort of get the feel. Uh, he's he's got the a similar stout tanks uh, setup that we got, so a lot of it's the same. Um, I actually for our system, I did the automation, uh, so it's all custom built ourselves. So that helped work through the process a little bit. You know, we, we really had to think about what we were going to do as we went since I was programming it all. <laughs> so that just the research from that, I think, helped a lot to, to get a feel for the, the differences when you bump up to doing 150 gallons instead of five gallons. <laughs> um, I mean, for me on the brewing side, and I've told this to a few people and they always look at me like I'm insane. I just... I don't feel much of a difference going from a small scale to the big scale. We're not super big. Like, I still stir the mash when I mash in. Sure, I'm doing it with 500 pounds of grain instead of 10 pounds, but it's, I mean, it's the same process. And we use a program that scales everything up, and there's only minor tweaks we have to do. But, again, Joe at Manskirt, having him, having a couple other people in the industry, in this area, everyone is is great and willing to help. Um, I mean... Twin Elephant, which is one of the closest ones. They're about 20 minutes from here. They have the same system, and I've asked them a couple questions. You know, Matt up at Zigmeister's been a great help. Um, you know, Cask and Kettle Homebrew Shop, uh, one of the Joes there. He worked for Cricket Hill in a couple places, so it's always great to go, you know, throw questions off him. But everyone's always willing to help in this industry, so it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Didn't feel a ton of growing pains. That's good. That's great yeah. to hear that the community is supportive and you have yeah. people to kind of reach out to. You're not just on your own little island here. Yeah. No, everyone's always willing to help. I mean, I had I was a bag short of grain one time and I borrowed it. And then the local homebrew shop ran out of it. They didn't get a delivery. So I lent them a bag of grain. So everyone's always helping each other, which that, is great. That's awesome. And yeah. speaking of the community, you know, having support from others, uh, we should definitely talk about Kickstarter and how you guys use that when you guys were starting the brewery. So uh, Kickstarter, for those of you who don't know, is like a crowdfunding service where people, I guess you could say, give the money to a cause to support something or someone. Um, and tell us about your guys' experience with that. Yeah. So um, we were getting close to the end and we're like, well, you know, we should probably try to do something plus the community outreach. So we, we put out a Kickstarter, um, which is an all or nothing campaign on like uh, GoFundMe or those ones where even if you go out for like 20,000 and you only get five, you still get the five Kickstarters and all or nothing thing. Um, oh, wow. I didn't know yeah. that. That's like yeah. the real so if deal. You, if you don't reach your goal, you don't get it. Um, so we just, Does it get refunded back to the people? Or do yeah. Okay. Their cards <laughs> don't get charged unless you, I think they don't get charged unless you actually do it or they charge you and then refund. I don't, I don't know. Okay. But if you don't make the goal, everyone gets their money back. Um, which I liked because it just seemed safer on their part. But yeah, so we did, we had a couple tiers, um, you know, t-shirts, pint glasses, that sort of thing. And we did a, a mug club, which actually has turned into a pretty great thing here. And the, uh, the Kickstarter mug club was a, a lifetime membership. So essentially you give that much money. You get a mug every time you come in. It's a 20-ounce pour, but we charge you for a 16-ounce. So That's great. You get an extra four ounces per pour. That's awesome. Um, and we have numerous people coming every week. Like So many of our regulars have ended up buying it after the fact because we also do a yearly one. Um, 
that you have to buy every year. But then the, if you gave to the Kickstarter, you have it forever. So essentially, you just show up with the mug and you get more beer. And and how does that feel? I feel like you know putting yourself out there is kind of vulnerable. Saying, "Hey, we like to do this Kickstarter. Can you help us out?" It's a, it's a it's a vulnerable experience. And how did it feel once people started you know supporting you guys? Was it a humbling? Was it emotional? How did that? That's that's crazy. Um, it was, it was, for me at least, it was a little rough. I was back and forth on it the whole time, leading up to it. I was like, "Oh, I don't know. Do we do it? We should do it. Oh, but I don't know. What if nobody does anything? Oh, but we should totally do it." Um, and it's always with these things. You have a big influx in the beginning and then nothing. So we had like two and a half weeks of nothing. And then in like the last five, six days, it just, I think we made half of our goal or something. Yeah, it was pretty nerve wracking watching it throughout the the campaign. Uh, I, you know, I was every day bugging all the people I work with. It was like, hey, have you donated yet? Have you donated yet? <laughs> I'll give you some beer. Come on. <laughs> but it worked out well. Yeah, the last couple of days we hit our goal and then. I was pretty surprised. We kept going for a little bit and ended up a uh, couple hundred dollars over our final final goal. People really responded well. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of the mug club. Um, we filled out a lot of the bigger ones. We actually one of the beers we have on tap right now. One of our our highest pledge amounts was um, to come in and design a recipe and brew your beer on our system. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, the wit beer we have on right now is one of our Kickstarter uh, donors. Came in uh, maybe a month ago, brewed with Andrew, and she got a little party uh, in the the tap room and with her friends with her beer. Which beer is that on the on the wall right there? Uh the Wit beer, the Friends Wit Benefits. Friends with Benefits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She got to yeah, she she got to chip, choose the name. Wow. Uh, we also are uh, one of our fermenters uh, got its name from the Kickstarter. Our, oh, really? uh, our ten barrel. Uh, Double batch fermenters, officially dubbed the Ferminator. The <laughs> <laughs> and what? That was just uh, a way that if someone donated, they could name it, or how did that? Yeah, it was one of the tiers. It was we we each each of the three of us picked a name that we wanted, and it was like, oh, you get to you get to solve this sibling rivalry. <laughs> That's amazing. So so it wasn't so it was a whole experience. You know, it was people supporting you, and they got to kind of contribute to you guys and your brewery, and that's just a. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that went to uh, getting us over the finish line with getting the tap room finished and getting everything in, um, putting the the tap tower in and running all the lines. Just a lot of the finishing touches. Tables are a lot more expensive than you would think, <laughs> even even though we did build all the tabletops. So, oh, that's another thing. Um, in the tap room, Thomas mentioned before. You know, we did a lot of the work ourselves. Um, and going back to how we got our roots in brewing, we bought a homebrew kit for our dad for father's day um and then i always like to say it snowballed into this uh everyone says that's a negative but we don't know if it's a positive yet so (laughs) (laughs) yeah and our parents helped through the entire process i mean they're still here um they built all the tabletops in the uh tap room they built the bench um they helped do pretty much everything they were here every step of the way they they developed a pretty pretty good woodworking habit since we opened. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, they they built the stools also. Pretty much anything wood that aren't the chairs that we've collected off the side of the road were built by them. Yeah, I was I was going to ask about that. So there is a whole row of an eclectic mix of chairs here. Yes, um, we just when we first started talking about it, we were like, hey, you know, it'd be cool if we had mixed match chairs that could work. And then slowly and slowly, we've been 
just collecting them and putting them in and you know some break and get thrown away but you know yeah if you have a an old kitchen table send us pictures we might want to take some (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome so that that is really incredible to hear that it is a family it's in a way a family brewery you know you have the three brothers and then you have you know your parents helping out and it's all started with your dad and yeah and our wives are here all the time um my wife runs all the social media okay so she does all that uh, as well as her actual job which i don't know how she does it all but (laughs) it gets done um but yeah no everyone's here if you if you come in chances are you'll see at least one of us that's really exciting so let's talk about events. Let's talk about what you guys uh, are doing in the area or events here. Um, do you guys have any coming up? Do you guys have, have any in the past that have been notably that's something you want to talk about? Like you said, that one Kickstarter who got to brew their own uh, beer and they had... Uh, yeah, they had a, a private thing here. Um, I mean, we have a Halloween party coming up if this gets out before then. But if Possibly. Not, we'll see. <laughs> if not, you can still show up in costume. We won't judge. Uh, we have... A St. James Beer Festival. That's the third of November. The St. James Men of Charity. Uh, it's a it's a, a charity fundraiser beer festival down in Basking Ridge. Uh, a handful of New Jersey places are going to be there. We're participating in. Uh, that's November third. Uh, see the week after that, no, November tenth. Is it? Yes. That's we're Cheers, we're doing Cheers Morristown. Is that at the Armory? I think so. Yeah, at the at the Morristown Armory. Uh, and then the week after that, we're busy in November. On the 17th, we'll be at the Jersey City Beer Fest. Oh, wow. That's a big one, right? Yeah, that one's big. It's exciting. Yep. And how many beers do you guys usually bring to these, uh, like a, a beer festival? Do you guys bring one or two? or? Uh, it's usually two or three. Okay. Yeah. I, always, I, I always think it's interesting because some people will just choose one beer that they absolutely love. And, like, this is the beer people are going to drink. But sometimes yeah. they'll bring, you know, a couple of the flagships. They'll bring a whole bunch. So I think you, you need at least two to get a good feel. <laughs> What are you guys drinking nowadays? So you guys, obviously you guys are drinking your own beer, which I think is, yep. goes without saying. I, I think I drink a little too much of our own beer. <laughs> uh, Andrew's much better at getting out, but uh, I've had a few pumpkin beers. Got Dogfish's pumpkin beer. I always like that. Awesome. Tis the season for it. Yeah, it is uh, definitely we, the season. We just recently had, um, in the ta- I was here in the tap room over the weekend, and we cracked open uh, Hudson Valley Brewing. Yeah. Uh, Sour IPA. That was really good. Now I want to do a sour IPA. <laughs> uh, um, well, I mean, we have... Well, I have a friend who waits online for all the stuff. on the. It seems like the East Coast. And he always brings me some. So I don't usually know what I'm drinking, but <laughs> I've had... I don't even know That's what a good I have friend in my fridge have. right now. Yeah. No, I don't have to wait in line, but I still get the beer. So it's a good one. Um, yeah. I, the last thing at Hudson Valley, I had some equilibrium recently. I can't even remember. There's just so much of it. A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. So, 31 minutes in, what do you say we uh, wrap it up? So, uh, if someone wanted to reach out to you guys, get in contact with you guys, or even visit the brewery, what's the best way someone could do that? Uh, Well, I guess if you you want to visit, we're we're at uh, the address is 3118 Route 10 West uh, in Denville. Uh, We're right on the highway. It's easy to find. Uh, you'll, you'll come down a big hill. We're right at the bottom. Uh, we got to trim back a tree. It's a little, a little bit hidden coming down, but <laughs> we're right after the, di- uh, the, the deli. Okay. So slow down when you see the deli. All right. And then on social media, Fort Nonsense Brewing Company. Yeah. Yeah. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. 
our website is fortnonsensebrewing.com. Awesome. Sounds great. Uh, and as always, if you guys want to reach out uh, to myself or the podcast, just Google Brewery Talks Podcast or look us up at sunnysetuptraveling.com. I want to thank Andrew and Thomas for taking the time today to sit down uh, and tell their story about the brewery and their beers. Um, yeah, thank, thanks for coming out. Yeah, this is awesome. If you're in the area, do stop by. Uh, the tap room is no longer pink and it is uh, <laughs> really great. So thank you guys very much. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please head over to iTunes, give it a five-star review, and stay tuned for more episodes. Cheers.